village from north to south in Kenya. Wow. And worked and lived, spent a lot of time. Okay. But, from but Shimoni to Lamu. So, so your main job is a scuba dive instructor? Yes. Okay. That's what I trained as. Right. And is that, that is obviously fed into what you're doing now? Mm, kind of, yeah. Okay. It, it was a journey. Okay. So you work in a marine park, you pick up diving. Mm-hmm. Five years later, you're the diving instructor. <laughs> Another five years later, you, you're teaching people about aquaculture, which is what I do now. Okay. And uh, yeah, so um, I would like to say I'm an advocate for the marine resources in Kenya. Okay, if if we look at marine resources in Kenya, I mean, wh- wh- where are we? Because you know, we 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 had uh, a couple of guys in here, I think on Monday. Yeah, Paula Kahumbu. Yeah, yeah, but before that, Big fan. Yeah, 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 she was great. But before that, we had a couple of other guys in here, and we ended up getting into a discussion about um, uh, pollution of of the of plastics on our shores. Yes. Oceans uh, yeah. is 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 that something that is. If we don't get a handle on it now, is are we going to find ourselves in big problems? I mean, I was in Goa a couple of years ago, and it was absolutely devastating to see how much garbage and trash there is in the ocean. I, I still don't feel we're there on that level yet, but are we headed in that direction if we don't do something about it? I would like to say Kenya compared to the neighbors in East Africa, our surround immediate neighbors, we are in a much better position. Mm-hmm. We have, like, I would say we're light years ahead of our immediate neighbors in Uganda or Tanzania. Because we implemented the plastic ban almost five years ago, or right. and we're not we're not going to reverse that. Yeah. So we're we're on a forward path. If you even look at your plastic bottles nowadays, they seem lighter mm-hmm. without water, meaning that we're using less virgin plastic to produce these bottles. That means our companies producing plastic are more environmentally conscious. Okay. I used to work in a plastic factory. Wow. As a supervisor. Okay. Wow. And, <laughs> Well, I was spying on the plastic industry, and no one is going <laughs> to tell you about. This is what I do. I I take up the job to learn more about the jo- the industry, not to feed myself. Right. So I've worked in the desert, twenty four hours producing plastic bags, produced hundreds of millions of plastic bags a month. We were producing about a hundred and twenty tons of plastic bags a month. Jeez. And there's a hundred bags of plastic in one kilo of plastic. So think, I was producing millions of plastic bags as an environmentalist. But that taught me how to recycle plastic and that taught me about the inner workings of the plastic industry, which I would never have known if I didn't take up the job. You, you said uh, you got into conservation about 13 years ago. That was your first job working in Wasini. What have you seen in terms of the social conscious around uh, conservation, particularly here in Kenya? Well, I, I'm an educator. I go in public schools and teach people about marine life and draw a turtle for them if they've never seen one. Talk about the, the processes of marine life in the, in the ecosystems. And I think uh, the youth in Kenya is very environmentally conscious. You yes. know, we take it for granted that we have all this wildlife around us. Yeah, absolutely. And we try and imagine that someone in South America is living the same life mm-hmm. with anacondas jumping out on the streets. No, you can't compare the two. We, we're two different, on two different spheres of life. Mm-hmm. We're living our best life around nature, surrounded by it. And, you know, Nairobi speaks for itself, the only city in the world with a national park yep. on its borders. I mean, you're driving on the expressway, you could see a giraffe. True. And that I don't actually happened to me the other day. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. So you see, there's even spots on the expressway you could go and, like, see wildlife. Right. Yeah, and uh, I don't think many cities or 
Many citizens of cities around the world can say that about themselves. Well, I like to hear that there is a more of a social consciousness around um, conservation and uh, and like uh, preserving our environment. I'm wondering today, what do you feel is the biggest uh, challenge facing marine conservation? Well, uh, the basic challenge of any conservation field is funding. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are underfunded. Uh, KWS in the past COVID experience has lost a lot of its revenue stream from international tourism because of, you know, the moratorium on flights and no no one was no one was flying to to Africa to see the wildlife. So KWS employs employs like about maybe eight thousand rangers mm-hmm. on a basic pay of maybe two hundred three hundred dollars starting salary, and you can imagine if they are making all their money from foreigners who are paying the up value ticket of fifty dollars to enter the Mara or the Savo or Amboseli. You can imagine that's their big chunk of revenue stream. And how it works is like if they raise like two billion dollars a year in revenue, they give it to the central government and the central government kicks back a budget okay. for them to operate their expenses. It's not like they take the dollars from the tourists and give and it directly to, to the rangers. Yeah. It, conservation doesn't work like that. Right. There's a system Right. Of economics. And, and you know, judging by how this country has been run for since independence, see. some yeah. money gets lost along the way, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and the people that actually deserve the money, like the Rangers, don't get paid what they're, yeah. what they're worth. Uh, and yet they put their, I mean, in some cases, uh, they put their lives on the line to ensure that our wildlife is protected. Yeah. Um, when we talk about ocean uh, conservation, uh, and that's more your area of expertise, um, I, and I asked this when we started, is there, is there the 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 potential that we could get it wrong if we don't do something about it. I know you said we're light years ahead of our neighbors, mm. but we are still in a situation where a lot more needs to be done, I'm sure. Right. Well, um, I could say, like, first of all, today is World Oceans Day. So World Oceans Day is about tourism, fisheries, and marine logistics. So the shipping industry and and the uh, the transport industry on our waterways. I mean, all the oceans is people for thousands of years have been using a vessel to cross from point A to point B and that's what we cherish about, you know, like Africa, East Africa, Kenya. Kenya wouldn't be on the map if the trade winds didn't exist. Right. You know, the Oman is coming down the south wind or going up the north wind and taking spices and currencies or goods across the world. So the oceans are a body of water that gives us access, just like our subway systems or our trains or buses. Think of it like a road. Mm-hmm. In Kenya, we can get it wrong by, you know, not cultivating the resources we have. Uh, I would like to talk about illegal and unregulated and unreported fishing. So basically, my experience in Kenya recently was that we have foreigners coming here and giving us pennies for our resources and not giving us an opportunity to learn how to cultivate them to create more more resources for the next generation. I'll give you an example. In the coast, we have traders from Asian countries coming and giving these delicacies. But in Madagascar, for about 10 years now, NGOs that I've worked with in the past, Blue Ventures, are teaching the local communities to cultivate these sea cucumbers, right. grow them out, and cultivate the next generation, and then sell the offspring to the market. Sustainable farming. Sustainable farming. So you think of it like a farm, just like you said, Sunny. Sunny. Uh, it, it is about sustainability. We have to cultivate the seeds so that we have a crop or product for tomorrow. Yep. And I don't think Kenya and the marine scape, we're there yet. Interestingly enough, though, I mean, I, I've managed to, I think I've been to every ocean in the world, and yet, and I grew up on, on the Atlantic, actually, in, 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 in Florida, uh, yet 
you you can't even comp- we we are so blessed here with our ocean and, yeah. and the environment you know whether it's the beach or the water or whatever it is just the environment and and to to be in a situation where we have to have these conversations because we're not doing our part as a as a country um to uh, let, let's just call a spade a spade the government is not doing their part to protect what needs to be protected um and we we had this conversation on monday we find the private sector getting more involved in things the government should be doing do you have to also is that also similar for ocean conservation as well yes as an honorary wildlife warden i have to have a separate career that funds my conservation career mm. so take money from pocket a and then fund it into lifestyle b yeah and it's not easy and i speak for there's about 300 honorary wardens in the country right now and every three years we get a renewal on our contract and oh we don't get mm-hmm. but someone told me that you never stop being an honorary warden yep because you know it's not about a badge no it's a, it's a lifestyle decision you know you take it up as uh, as a mantle for yourself and for your your family and neighbors we okay. we find it very challenging but i think it depends on wh- how you got involved in the first place mm-hmm. like I can't stop being involved in marine conservation, even if it's even your if, blood. <laughs> even if I tried, even yeah. if they revoke your honorary <laughs> license, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Too, too bad. I'm here to stay. Yeah, yeah, you know. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about this as well and uh, some of the things you've seen that uh, we're doing. You mentioned we're much better off than our neighbors. What are some of the things that we're doing that is different to say Uganda and Tanzania? All that coming up in just. If you have any questions, but so I, it's World Oceans Day okay. anyway, right? So mm-hmm. let us know Twitter or uh, WhatsApp. More people are interested to know which coffee I like better. <laughs> And of course, we're joined in studio right now by Saeed Balala, who is the honorary uh, KWS, Honorary Wildlife Warden. Warden. I keep wanting to say conservationist, Warden. And uh, it's so good to have you in studio. We're talking all about the work that you've been doing. And you just mentioned that you've just moved to Nairobi. Yes. Welcome to the city. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, We um, don't have donkeys roaming the streets here, unfortunately, like in Lamu, right? So, right. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about being an honorary wildlife warden and what that means. Because you mentioned there's 300 of you and there's an annual application. And could you talk a little bit about uh, your relationship with KWS and how it works to be an honorary warden? So basically, I'm part of a WhatsApp group. Okay. Which uh, is comprised of KWS staff, like uh, directors and officers and wardens. And also 55 other coastal honorary wardens. Okay. Who are all like professionals and just casual people in living their own life, but sort of uh, in link with the environment. Mm-hmm. So some of them could be ranchers. Others could just be managers of a water sports center. Okay. And he feels like he has something to contribute to his national park. Wow. Uh, or maybe he's looking out for his guests. The, be- the best experience his guests would have. Yeah is by him taking more initiative in how his park is managed. Okay. So, like I said, uh, being an honorary warden means somebody who's coming from a wide spectrum of careers. You could be an advocate for just your own your own issues, mm-hmm. like a legal advocate, and then think that you could volunteer your services to Kenya Wildlife Service. You could be a doctor, and not necessarily a vet, yeah. just a doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, apply to be an honorary warden and one day just uh, participate with KWS staff and go do a health clinic in oh, the world. Oh, I love that. And so, how, and so you said there's an annual application. Does everybody get accepted or how does it work? It's What's not an annual application. It's every three years. Every three years. Okay. Every three years. 
Yeah. So anyone can apply, uh, even non-Kenyan citizens. So oh. they are honor wardens who do not have Kenyan passports, but uh, maybe they are they investors in a safari uh, tour company, or maybe they're they're tour guides or photographers mm-hmm. or filmmakers like Paula Combo. Yeah. So you know, uh, being an honor warden, one of the privileges is that you get uh, free access to all national parks, you and your vehicle. Okay. So that's a perk. Yeah, <laughs> I feel absolutely. like that's like a ma- major perk, by <laughs> yeah. the way. Um, th- there was a, there was a couple of uh, I think it was last year sometime they were gonna. Uh, sorry, this ma- this is totally off script here. They were gonna uh, charge a a beach fee in the coast. You, uh, am I right about this? It was like, it was like ten dollars or something ridiculous just yeah. to go onto the beach. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, that, but what are you doing? You're eliminating the, so the people who. L- live so in every the area. few years, there's a revi- revised uh, like charter, uh, corporate charter that says KWS's charges and services are being offered at these uh, re- revised prices in dollars and Kenyan shillings. So sometime last year, there was a revision to this cha- corporate charter, and uh, like there was some real like weird charges like. Sub fees, you know what a sub is, like mm. a stand-up paddleboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wanted to charge people like ten dollar access fee if you have <laughs> like a paddleboard in Watamu Marine Park. And of course, the members of Watamu Marine Park, the stakeholder community, took the KWS to court, and I think that there's an ongoing legal issue. So oh. uh, citizens have a right to challenge park managers uh, if it's not done in uh, in consultation with the stakeholders. Because think about it, you can't start making things up like vlogging fees. And in some uh, monuments that you visit, the managers have a right to charge you like $5 for a camera or a video camera. Right, I think yeah. you've seen this. Yes, I have. Like in a ruin scenario. Exactly. Or in like a heritage area. So KWS was trying to take that that road. That same angle. Yeah, with like charging vloggers and... But be realistic. Yeah. We are all vloggers. We are all digital well, creators. I was going to say, you do have a YouTube channel, right? <laughs> yeah, I do have a YouTube channel. It's called My Ocean Adventure. My Ocean Adventure. Yeah. And when did, you st- when did you start it? Um, about five, six years ago. So just before COVID. Yeah. Cool. And it's following your adventures on, on conservation? Uh, conservation, diving. I teach diving and uh, try and record my students uh, having a good time. That's underwater. awesome. No, that's great. Uh, so now that you're here in Nairobi, what can we expect from you coming up in terms of uh, conservation efforts or what are ways that we can support you in, in what you're doing? Well, I would like to get more involved in the in the education sector and, and continue what I've been doing in the course with local kids and teaching them about mar- uh, marine experiences. But them being in the city, maybe they've never had that experience to go snorkeling. or Right. I've been cultivating my skills as a tour guide for many years. Like I said, I started 13 years ago as basically a tour guide. And now I'm just a more of an experienced tour guide mm-hmm. than, than such. Yeah. We, we, we had both Paula Kahumbu and then a couple of guys who are working in the agri-conservation uh, and mm-hmm. agri-tech yeah. uh, uh, space on Monday. Yeah. Um, and, and it seems like the general uh, direction of where we need to go in 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 sharing messages like yours is the curriculum in schools also has to reflect things like conservation yes uh, our curriculum is is heavily outdated curriculum yes. in our schools right um we've seen i don't know if you've ever seen some of the jokes that, that go around every school year with the textbook images and and some of the things um you know they have pictures of mps getting in helicopters as examples of you know success mm-hmm. uh, so we're obviously <laughs> clearly outdated um, how much you talk? You want to get more into education? Are we talking more about education of showing the yo- the the youth, the young the young people, 
what conservation means from your perspective and yes. from a KWS perspective and, and in a conservationist perspective as a whole? Or are we talking about implementing that same doctrine into the education system in schools? I did not study uh, professional marine biology, uh, so to speak. I, I picked it up through books and through exposure, my network, and also firsthand seeing turtles nest and turtles hatch. And also just getting on a beach and going out deep into the ocean and finding a coral reef. I've right. done that in many locations around the country. And I would like to expose younger kids on how to do it yourself. Yeah, but but, but not everyone's going to have that opportunity, right? No. You're talking about not even 1% of the country, I would imagine, is going to have a, a, is going to grow up the way you grew up, where yes. you can go and walk into the ocean. So there has to be another way to do it. Yes. Uh, and, and that's what I'm trying to find out now, is that the kids who are never going to leave Nairobi, the kids who are never going to leave the... the the uh, the the hinterlands of Kenya never going to go anywhere to the coast. How do you get them to understand how important the ocean is? I think I need to participate with the, like the the Minister of Education in revising our curriculum on the environmental sciences because at uh, at all levels of school education in the government sector, uh, the uh, government education system, and also the private sector, we are exposed to environmental sciences and biology and chemistry and physics, but. There is no, there's no synchronization between what Kenya looks like in reality, mm-hmm. elephants and lions roaming freely outside in our national parks, and the the kids living in an urban setting. Yeah. So the government has never taken an opportunity to 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 mash these two together to harmonize, like the kids' uh, exposure to wildlife and conservation, and a syllabus that is gonna slowly educate them to a point where. Maybe they grow up and one day also want to be a wildlife ward. Or just understand how, how precious yeah. the, the environment is because we, and you're right, if, if a child goes to the Nairobi National Park or goes to the Nakuru National Park, um, the the appreciation of wildlife should translate to whether it's ocean, bush, yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. I, I personally think that it should be part of the curriculum, but again, conservation is also quite a relatively new hmm. conversation. Let me tell you this, Farid. Uh Eight years ago, I was living on Robinson Island in Malindi for like three months as a volunteer leader. And I saw a baby hammerhead shark caught by a fisherman, just dried up on the beach. And I'd never seen a hammerhead shark. And me being an enthusiast, I was like, wow, where did you find this? And he's like, he's pointing at the oil rig <laughs> uh, space station in Malindi off the coast. It's like there, there's sharks around the thing. And eight years later, like a few years ago, I worked as a student in aquaculture and I was feeding hammerhead sharks in aquarium tanks for export. And I was exposed to these big marine life in small bodies of water, but being guilty where I was like cultivating them for sale and export. Yeah. So I was like, me as a diver, as a diving instructor, I don't even know which dive site in Kenya where we have hammerhead sharks because it's not realistically marketed or exposed. There's no clear path. Like, Let's say, Sony, if you want to see a lion, you know which park to go to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Nairobi National Park or the orphanage. You're just going to see a park in the cage. It's cultivated. It's already in a box for you. Yep. But if you want to see a turtle? Watamu. Watamu. <laughs> there's local ocean trust, good friends of ours, and they have turtles there in rehabilitation centers. And you could go and experience that there. Because what I'm saying is that we're not packaging our wildlife in boxes where it's just easy access. Like you go to the supermarket, you want this product, just pick it up off the shelf. We have the opportunity to do to do that in Kenya and to cultivate it for the next generation where 
you know, like a roadmap to all the species in Kenya. There is no one one document that's available to the Kenyan public that has a list of all the species available within our borders. Yeah. And we don't even talk about it. We don't even talk about the species and in like Kenya. And like you said, some of that tourism will directly fund the conservation efforts that exactly. you're working towards. Directly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, listen, Saeed, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Uh, mm. And really, the work you're doing is incredible. And I, I'm assuming that you are one of many people doing what you're doing with so much passion. And, and I'm and part of a big army. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So please send more our way. These are great conversations. Mm. And if you're government listening, let's start educating our kids on conservation because we have a golden opportunity to protect the land we have. And without because we are so behind the developed world and urbanization, we still have a chance, obviously. Yes, yeah. we should. All right. Thanks for Thank coming you. in. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 98.4 Capital FM.